ION 2020, episode 109. Have 2020 vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton bringing you this show Monday through Friday that brings you the news and the related events for the 2020 election. This is Ion 2020, and I appreciate you coming out and listening today. I appreciate uh, anyone that listens to me for the 30 minutes or so that I put on a show every single day because sometimes, you know, I'm just trying to put out good content for you. I'm trying to put out uh, things that you're going to need to know, things that can help you to make decisions going into 2020, but also to help you to have those conversations with your friends from a libertarian perspective, and that's what I'm trying to do. So this is Ion 2020, and every day I'm going to bring you guys all of that information the best that I can, because that's what I do every single day, is just scour the news, scour the media, scour everything that I can find in order to help you guys out. Uh, you know, and, and bring you an entertaining show as well. Uh, hopefully you are entertained. I do get on some serious uh, serious, you know, ramblings every so often as well, and hopefully I can challenge your philosophies and challenge your, uh, you know, challenge you in a way that'll get you thinking, you know, because everyone has their own views on everything, it seems like today. I mean, if you look at, I was reading, a, I was looking at a poll that I found, and it was saying something about like socialism versus uh, capitalism, socialism versus dem- democracy back in the, you know, 1942, they were showing this, you know, democracy, what people thought about democracy versus what people thought about socialism. And back then, it was saying that there was 37% or 32% of people that did not even have an opinion on that issue. Didn't even have an opinion on the issue in 1942, whether they thought democracy was better than socialism. When they said democracy back then, a lot of people intertwined that with capitalism because that was the going statement back then. Is democracy better or is capitalism better than socialism and, and government ownership of the means of production and back then it was you know more people supported democracy than what supported socialism obviously especially in the 1940s right but in 19 they they just did another poll and that was you know just recently 2019 april 2019 i think is what it said and 51 percent of people supported democracy or capitalism and i think it was 41 percent of people thought that socialism was a good thing, had, had positive feelings about socialism. So, and I think it said 9% of people did not have an opinion. So 32% of people in the 40s did not have an opinion, but 9% of people don't have a, an opinion either way on this. So it just shows in the world that we're living in, there is a lot of division, but there is a, there, everyone seems like to have the opinion is what I'm getting at. And that's what, I mean, that's that's the way it is. We're, we have a lot of information nowadays. You have media on the news. I mean, this thing, 1942, they had the radio. The TV hasn't even come out yet. 
They had movie theaters. A lot of times before the movie theater, before the movie that you would go watch, they would have a little bit, of, you know, some news that would that they would show. A lot of times they would, especially in the 1940s, 1942, 1943, once America entered World War One, or World War Two, sorry, once America entered World War Two. They would show little propaganda pieces that were made by the Department of Defense in order to get you to try to enlist in the military, things like that. But you didn't. You might have the radio. You might have a couple radio stations in your town or in your city. But there wasn't the amount of information that we have nowadays. So it's easier today, I guess, to form an opinion on those things. It's easy to form a a wrong opinion on those things as well but everyone has an opinion nowadays so it's my job then to give you my opinion and maybe I could challenge your opinion on things as well and that's what I'll do you know Monday through Friday so I appreciate you coming out and listening I've been seeing lots and lots more listeners coming on board so I appreciate you if you're a first time listener go ahead and subscribe to the show and then since this is Ion 2020 I also have a webpage called IonTheEmpire.com. If you want to go there, you can check that out. I just per, I post news and things that go on along with not just the election, but things that are going on all over the world that the U.S. government is doing across the world. Whether it's good or bad, I'll post good things and bad things, right? Um, but I'm just trying to post things that kind of challenge the narrative that, you know, America's foreign policy, I don't think that it's the... I don't think it's in the right direction. I don't think that we should be intervening in other countries. That's my personal opinion. I think it can be... You can really come up with a very good argument that says that all the intervention that we've done across the world over the last... I mean, since the end of World War II, even since World War I, all the intervention that's gone on has not led to positive results. You can make a huge argument. You can make a great case for that. So, trying to shape the world in our image, as, you know, America's image, trying to, and using that as the propaganda piece anyway, because, yeah, they say the propaganda is we're going to spread democracy to people that are, you know, under dictatorships. We're going to spread democracy to the oppressed. And that's the propaganda they use to get people on board, but that is not always the case. So... You can make that case, but that's my opinion. So, uh, but that's what I'm going to do every single day is give you guys my opinion, give me guys my feedback on the things that I see in the news, and that's what I'm doing. You know, on I and the Empire uh, is giving you my feedback of what I'm seeing in the news. But I don't really give, I don't really get out there and and write up anything on the articles. I'm just posting articles that I see. A lot of times, I'll post articles from other foreign news sources as well. So if you like to see things that you're not always going to see on the regular news or on, um, you know, the the regular news pages like thehill.com and places like that, I will post things from there. I'll post things from, you know, lots of different news organizations I find, but I'll also search through the newspapers of other countries as well, countries that may not agree with our foreign policy, people, countries that might have a different perspective I'll post their stuff. I've looked for Venezuela. I've looked through newspapers from Iran and Syria. I've looked through newspapers from China, Russia, 
things like that, just so I can get an idea of what they are saying over there. Because even though their media is just as propagandized as our media, their media is probably under more control by their government on what they're allowed to post or what they're allowed to write than our media is in America, at least you can see what they're saying. So that's a good thing. So follow me, IonTheEmpire.com, and also you can check out Twitter and Facebook, and you'll see IonTheEmpire there as well if you search. But um, trying to get more and more listeners, so if you can, share the show with your friends as well, and we'll go ahead and you know give everyone clear vision for 2020, because that's what I'm here to do, right? But what I wanted to talk about today is is this... Actually, let me just start the clip for you, and then I'll make my commentary afterwards. But if you listen to the clip that I'm about to play, you'll see you'll at the very end is what I'm trying to get at. So just listen in, and then listen to the very end. It's 30 seconds, so here it goes. And hello again today from the University of Dubuque, home of the Spartans. And tonight, the site of our town hall with Senator Kirsten Gillibrand on Fox News Channel. We came to the masterpiece on the Mississippi, as it's called here, to get a sense of where the Democratic race stands here in Iowa, site of the first in the nation caucuses in just nine months. But President Trump continues to dominate the news this week. So get that, right? They they give a little bit of lip service to Kirsten Gillibrand, who is going to be having a town hall, town hall meeting a town hall episode on Fox News that evening. This is a, this is a clip from Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace, which happened on Sunday. And I was just listening through it, and it just struck me the very that they go from talking about Gillibrand's town hall to immediately saying, "But Donald Trump has been dominating the news this week," and it just made me start thinking about it. Donald Trump really has dominated the news for the last two years since he became president, but he also dominated the news for the two years while he was running for president. We got, we all know that. All it's Donald, it's basically Donald Trump all day, every day on every news station. If you look at, if you're watching the TV news, so you got CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, and then you also have the evening time news channels like ABC, NBC, and CBS, they'll have their news channel, their, their you know, world news tonight, and, you know, the different world news channel, the other stuff besides your a local channel, right? And their, a lot of the stuff that they talk about as well is the things that are going on with the Trump administration, with the things that he's doing and so forth. So Chris Wallace talks a little bit for like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, he's talking about, the town hall that they're having and the you know the the democratic election the democratic nomination that's going on and then it goes right into Donald Trump and it was literally 60 minutes of Donald Trump Donald Trump Donald Trump the entire time on Fox News so then i get to listening to a few of the other ones i listened to Face the Nation and they actually talked about the shooting that was going on in Virginia Virginia Beach. They talked about that briefly at the beginning. And then they also talked about that with some of the guests that they had on that day. But that everything led back to Donald Trump and the Mueller report and the investigation and is is Congress going to try to impeach Trump? And it all goes back right back to Trump, Trump, Trump the entire time. The guy Oh, and then they also 
a lot of the things that they talked about was the tariffs he's going to put on Mexico, what's going on with the Chinese trade war. It's all Trump all day on all these stations. The only one that seemed like they gave any lip service to anything else was the Face the Nation group, where they said something, you know, they talked about the, the, sh- the shootings in Virginia. But then it all led back to policy, though, Washington policy as well. They all talked about, is this enough? When are we going to get legislation passed? I think they had a senator on real briefly on Face the Nation, and they asked that senator a couple questions about, is it time for gun control? Is it time to start legislating this and legislating that? And by all means, these people, they talk about gun gun control and so forth on the shows, uh, but this guy had let's get into the news on that just real briefly so i could you know preface what i'm about to say the guy had two guns that he bought it was two 45 caliber guns one of them had a suppressor on it who knows if it was a one that he bought from a store or something that he made himself Un- unknown for sure but what he had was two legally purchased guns that he went in there and shot 11 people tragic event absolutely tragic event I mean, I couldn't imagine going into work and then that happens to any of my coworkers and obviously if it happened to my family or somebody that I knew. Tragic event. Tragic event. But the politicians will always use that as a way to make a political statement. That's what politicians do. That's what they're best at. It always has to come down to more legislation. When in reality, nothing that nothing that they could have done, done could have known, like there's no way they could have stopped this. That's what they all said. There's no way they can have stopped it. If they, if they had, I mean, short of giving everybody a a quarterly psychological exam or something, there's no way they can have stopped this because these weren't stolen guns. They were bought, they were purchased legally. Obviously, they're handguns, right? Forty-five is a handgun, so we had to have a background check. And then they're talking about more legislation. We need to have universal background checks. Well, well, they would have had a background check on this guy. So there's no way they could have got that. But anyway, these politicians will all get in there and make that make those statements, right? But literally two questions on that to this senator, and then they move on to Trump and the Mueller investigations and all that, so, and all and, and on to the tariffs. I think they talked about that briefly as well with that particular center, and then they move on to the... You know how they always have the little roundtable discussions with a bunch of talking heads as well on these shows, and all of them had that, and it was all Trump, 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 the entire time. I mean, they must love Trump because it's good money for... It's good good for their ratings, I guess, especially the liberal, the liberal media, media, right? The liberal media, all Trump all day, get everyone riled up. They've figured out how to get their base to start watching their shows now, apparently. MSNBC and so forth, because they have, I mean, if you, if you talk to any liberal, they are just stirred up about how bad Donald Trump is and everything else. The same way, or the same way Republicans were about Barack Obama from 2008 to 2016, though. It's just they are utilizing their means to get people stirred up in order to get better ratings, and that, and it pays. It pays well for them. But it's all Trump the entire time. And I think Trump has this thing down pat, guys. I really do. He tweets out something on Thursday. For example, he tweets out, I think it was like Thursday evening or maybe it was Friday morning. He tweets out something about putting a 5% tariff on the Mexican imports. Because of the, they're not doing enough to control the border. 
And what I think what he's trying to do, and it, it slightly makes sense if you're okay with tariffs. I'm not okay with tariffs. But the logic, I guess, that he has is just saying that of most of those people that are coming across the border, I think they said 100,000 people per month are trying to cross the border. So if you're trying to protect your, your border with Texas, you know, if they're trying to protect that border, um, Mexico said, or the idea is that most of those people that are coming across the border are from Honduras. So his idea is to get Mexico to, you know, be secure their border with Honduras because then those people just basically take a three week road trip up to America, jump across the border, boom, try to claim that they want, uh, that they that they want to you know that they want to be protected through asylum so they get across the border and they then they ask for asylum and then part of the international asylum rules is that you have to give it well i think donald trump just changed the asylum rules i'm not sure exactly what he did but he, they said that they were going to send the people across the border back into mexico where they could wait to try to get asylum i'm not sure uh, exactly if, if that's even worked or not but his idea is to get Mexico to close that border off and be a little bit more diligent in not letting those people just travel through their country to get to America. Because technically, under the asylum rules, if they get into another country, they could claim asylum there, but no one's going to claim asylum in Mexico when you could easily get across Mexico and get to America, right? Um, so I, it, that 5% tariff in that way, I mean, in, in Trump reasoning, and Trump logic... It makes sense for him to do that because that's what he's been doing is trying to use that his brutal force, his his ability to, you know, stir up the pot. That's what he's doing. He's trying to stir up the pot and he's he's it's hard to predict what he's going to do. So by him doing that, it makes sense in my mind that he's doing it based upon Trump, Trump logic, even though I'm not a, obviously I'm not for tariffs. I'm not for what he's doing. It just, but if he's going to do that, he does that on Thursday. He, he mentions that on Thursday or Friday morning that he's going to put the tariffs on Mexican imports and then boom, that is the news cycle though for the next, the next week, basically. And then on Thursday, I guarantee you, he will say something else. He'll do something else to stir up the pot. This negative, I get, have you ever heard the term that, you know, all news is good news. All, like any news that you get, anything that you are, any media attention that you have is good media attention, right? What was it? Paris Hilton, I think, is the one that said that. Or maybe one of her friends said it. But these girls, they use that media attention because it, it kept them in the tabloids. Same thing with Donald Trump. He's using the media to keep himself in the tabloids. Not in the tabloids, but in, on their stations. And that's a, to him... That is a good thing. What it does is, this is what it does for him. For his base, it makes them think in their minds that Trump is doing something when Congress won't. So that gets them the ability to say, look at our president, he's doing such a great job. And for the people that hate him, it makes them hate him, but there are the people in the middle, and all Trump's trying to do is get those people in the middle to say... Yeah, maybe Trump is doing something. The economy is going good. He could ride that into the election. But I don't, like I said in the past, I've said this multiple times. I'm not sure why he does all that stirring of the pot. He doesn't need to. 
but he keeps on doing it. So there's got to be something in his mind that's making him do it. And he, I mean, the people that are counseling this guy, his advisors, I don't think that they can, they're they're not going to be able to reel him in. He's just going to keep on doing what he's doing constantly. And it's either to his detriment or not. I'm not sure. It's hard to make it out, to be honest with you. I try to figure it out constantly. I do. Because it's stupid to have 5% tariffs on these Mexican products. All it does, It's a penalty to you and me. When he does that. They said 40% of the parts made for car manufacturers are made in Texas. Or not in Texas, in Mexico. And all of those are going to have 5% tariffs put on them. In a struggling automotive industry as it is. I just don't think that. I mean, obviously it's not good for... American manufacturers, it's not good for Americans to be paying 5% more for products. We're the ones that pay that ta- that tax when we go to buy stuff. So it's not Mexico that's paying it. So I just, to me, I don't know why he does it, but he just keeps on doing it. It's to control that media. It's to control the news cycle. Because when you, ha- this is what's going to happen on Sunday. Sunday news shows happen, and you have a 25 second blurb about the Democratic primary this big event that Fox News is doing for Kirsten Gillibrand they're going to have this huge you know, this big town hall event and she gets 20 seconds on Fox News Sunday <laughs> and then it's Trump, Trump, Trump the rest of the time for the next 59 minutes and same thing on every station as well so that's exactly why he's doing it guys because it's it keeps him relevant, it keeps him in the news it's good for his base the people that hate him hate him. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be swayed either way. And then it's the people in the middle. He just needs to convince them that he's doing something for them. And maybe in their minds they think tariffs are okay because it's gonna bring back jobs. Buy American, baby. Buy American. That's what they're thinking. And that's all I can say. I have no idea. So hey guys, I found a couple podcasts that you might be interested in listening to, and I'm. Th- I think I'm gonna start letting you guys know about some podcasts that I find on iTunes and also on other podcasting apps as well, just so you guys can have an understanding of where I'm coming from with some of my political views. You hear me sometimes talk about Tom Woods. He's a huge influence on a lot of the political leanings that I have from a libertarian perspective. Uh, But I found one called Eric and Gord, What If We're Right? And this is a Canadian podcast. They're, these guys are based in Canada, so you hear a lot about the Canadian politics. But they're really funny. I mean, they listen to several of their episodes, and it's just a hilarious podcast. They cover political issues, but they kind of just talk a bunch of, uh, you know, talk nonsense and talk comedy and things like that. So it's funny. It's entertaining. Very entertaining. So you guys might, might want to check that out. As well as Dan Reed, the Culinary Libertarian. I actually listened to several of his episodes as well. One of them is about spices and different spices that are going to help to make your food prepared better. But he really does focus a lot on the issues that go along with like farming and libertarian farming, uh, being able to live off of the earth and things of that nature. It's really interesting. He covers some topics with like marijuana and cooking with cannabis. He also talked, one specific episode that I really liked as well is when he starts talking about his side hustle and the way that he makes extra money through podcasting as well as blogging. And, you know, it's definitely one to look at as well. He doesn't just cover food. He covers a lot of libertarian topics as well. He was on several other uh, libertarian shows 
libertarian leaning shows and so forth. He seems like a really uh, stand-up guy to me, so definitely check that out. That's Dan Reed, the culinary libertarian. Uh, so check out those two podcasts. I think you guys will really like them. So Bill Weld actually made a headline today, or not today, but this weekend, and he was having an interview, and he says that he doesn't think that Donald Trump is going to leave the White House voluntarily if he loses the 2020 election. I remember people would say that about uh, Barack Obama as well. Is he going to leave the White House if Donald Trump got elected or if anyone else got elected that was not a Democrat, if it wasn't Hillary Clinton? And Donald Trump, though, he has nobody running against him, so it's only going to be, obviously, the Democrat is going to be going against him, whoever it's going to be, who knows. Uh, If it's Bernie Sanders, there might be a case to be made in his mind hey, we're not going to allow a socialist to take over and everything else. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with that or not. I don't know that our system in America will allow something like that. I think that a lot of people, though, would be infuriated and pissed, and it might cause a civil war of some sort if that was the case, especially if Donald Trump starts trying to rile his base up. I mean, you have 20, what is it, 35% of people that just love the guy and strongly agree with him. So let's say... Of those, half or a quarter of those people are okay. I mean, just are okay with rising up and taking over America or something. Who knows? But this is what this is what this is from a Newsweek article, and it says Republican presidential candidate and former Massachusetts Governor William Weld said Friday that he believes President Donald Trump will not willingly cede the Oval Office if he does not win the election in 2020. Weld, who was the Libertarian Party vice presidential nominee for 2016, but has returned to his Republican roots in a long-shot bid to challenge Trump for the 2020 nomination, appeared on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher Friday, where Maher asked the former governor directly, if Trump loses, do you think he'll leave? William Weld says, not voluntarily. He'll He'll have a run at saying it was a rigged game, so I'm not leaving. I don't think the military indeed... Even the Justice Department, the rank and file, the investigative agencies would stand for that in this country. And I don't think so, too. The Justice Department would get them out of there. The military would get them out of there somehow. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, Donald Trump really thinks the military is behind him and everything else. Um, He's alluded to some things like getting rid of term limits and things like that uh, in the past. And actually, they talk about that in this article as well, that... He says, it's very obvious, this is what William Wells says, it's very obvious that he wants to be what the people who wrote the Constitution were hell-bent to avoid, which is a king. He loves autocrats, and he consorts with them, and he says a free press is the enemy of the people. He says, we can't just have these restrictions on me. I'm going to play, if anyone's investigating me, I'm not going to engage in Congress. What could be more obvious violation of the oath of office? Then he says, it says, Trump, the article says, Trump has made apparently joking comments as recently April about doing away with the current two-term limits of the president when the president received a trophy while speaking at an April 18th event for the Wounded Warrior Project. He told the general who presented the award to him that it would be that it would find a permanent place at least six years in the Oval Office. He then added, I was going to joke, general, and say at least 10 to 14 years, but we would cause bedlam if I said that so we'll just say six I don't know that he was seriously saying that I mean he might 
joke about that every so often, whatever. Um, probably to good laughs to his crowd and cheers to his crowd. But the guy loves cheers. He loves that, right? And he, I mean, he's old though. So you're not going to, I mean, if he, would you want to be 90 years old as, I mean, I guess Fidel Castro is, but um, like a lot of these, <laughs> these dictators, they love that. I, they love to stay in power for a long time. But um, that's probably more because the bureaucracy is built around that particular thing, whereas our bureaucracy is not built around Donald Trump being the president of the United States. So I don't know that our system really, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that it's going to happen. Obviously he'll leave office if he loses, but he will probably put a lot of threats out there. He might even, you know, I'd love to see what happens when he loses. That's all. That's all. And maybe we can replay this show and see, but uh, and you know, I'll obviously do an episode on that if he ends up losing anyway, and see if he, if I really think he's going to leave. But um, he will. That's just the way the system is. The be- the more orderly it is, the better. But if it's like a Bernie Sanders, I mean, he might put up a fight. Who knows? Finally, the last piece from my stack of stuff. And like I said, I don't have a stack of stuff, so you're not going to hear scurrying of papers by any means or anything like that i have an electronic stack of stuff so but the i was found an article on fox business and it says vermont's or uh the the title of the article says disney ceo joins verizon ge and carl icon and blasting back at bernie and it says vermont senator bernie sanders is letting it rip on america's most powerful ceos in turn they're ripping back fox business Dot com took a look at the war of words between Democratic presidential hopeful and American corporate chieftains over capitalism versus socialism. Disney CEO Bob Iger. It says, It is not often that you see head of the, ho- the head of the mouse house lose his control, but it appears Bernie Sanders pushed Disney CEO Bob Iger a little too far at a rally in Anaheim, California, near Disneyland, Sanders accused the media giant of underpaying workers. In a private Facebook post, first reported by the rap, Iger wrote, To Bernie Sanders, we created 11,000 new jobs at Disneyland in the past decade. And our company has created 18,000 in the U.S. in the last five years. How many jobs have you created? What have you contributed to the U.S. economy? And it's completely true, guys. Like, these politicians in general. So I hate it. It drives me crazy when a politician says, I created 10,000 jobs in my state. Or we, we put together a policy that created, you know, a million jobs or something like that. It drives me nuts because there is no such thing as job creation by a government except for job creation of bureaucrats, right? Creating more bureaucracy. But that's not job creation. That's taking from one and giving to another so that they can do a job that wouldn't be there in the absence of government. So when a politician says that, I created, you know, 10,000 new jobs in construction. No, no. A construction firm created 10,000 new jobs. Or actually hundreds of construction firms probably created new jobs. Or a new person started a business and hired four employees. That started to, that created new jobs. The environment was right for them to go ahead and say, you know, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to put my entire livelihood on the line and start a new business. Or I already have a business, and I'm going to hire three more people because we have so much work. 
that needs to get done and we can't do it all with the employees that I have now. That's how you create jobs. So by the CEO of Disney World saying that, we created 11,000 new jobs at Disneyland in the past decade. That's amazing. Disneyland. It's not a very big place. I mean, it's big, but you go to Disney World and they probably, I mean, you go to Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and the economy is based upon that. Universal Studios would have never came to Disney World in Orlando, Florida, or came to Orlando, Florida if Disney World wasn't there. SeaWorld would have never been there if Disney World wasn't there. All of the hotels that are built around that area, all the restaurants would have never been there if Disney World wasn't there. And they pay a much better wage than any place else around the area to a regular worker, to a, to a starting off 16-year-old kid. I think I've, you guys might have heard me say this in the past. When I first got my, when I got my first job, I was making four twenty-five an hour, you know, building tacos at Taco Bell. And then I went out and found a job at Disney World that summer. And I think I was making six seven or six fifty an hour or six yeah six fifty an hour that that summer. And if I got overtime, they were paying time and a half. And if I worked a holiday like July Fourth, I got paid double time. I mean, it was sick how much money I had back then. It was just crazy. I felt so good about that job. I really did. And for Bernie Sanders to criticize that, job creators to you know to to say, you know, we're going to make you pay more, we're going to make you we're going to chart make you pay more for these employees. That's like saying we're going to make you pay more for the products that you're going to buy. So you're going to try to figure out ways around that. <clears throat> Cuz for an for an employer the only thing they like what they're looking at they're not they don't care about creating more jobs that's not their goal to create more jobs their goal is to sell more products that's what their goal is and if employees help them sell more products they're only going to have as many employees as they need to sell as many products as they can that day and that's it they're not just going to hire people for the heck of it and if it costs the employer more money if you if you force them to pay a third more to every single employee, then they're going to figure out ways to cut those employees' hours. So, Bernie Sanders has not has never created eleven thousand new jobs. He hasn't created eighteen thousand new jobs. Nothing, and he wants to criticize Disney World for not paying people enough. When, let's be honest, people need entry level work. Not everyone has. 10 years experience as an electrician they might need to start off as a apprentice and no one's going to hire an apprentice unless they can afford to do it but you're getting valuable work skills by being an apprentice so let's see what let's see what they said about uh, speaking to Verizon striking landline workers in April Sanders bellowed just another major American corporation trying to destroy the lives of Americans. Today, you are not just standing up for Verizon workers, but you are standing up for Americans. The comments irked Verizon CEO Lowell McAdams, who fired back in a LinkedIn post, feeling the burn of reality. Earlier, Verizon corporate def- the earlier Verizon corporate defended itself after the presidential hopeful accused the company of dog- dodging taxes. In this public s- policy statement. The company attempted to set the record straight. Sanders needs to get his facts straight. 
The Post highlights the, that the firm paid nearly $16 billion in taxes during 2014-2015, among other things. So, Bernie Sanders, I mean, obviously, he just hates, he hates businesses. He's a socialist. He thinks that the means of production should be controlled by the state. Let's be honest, that's the truth. He talks about democratic socialism and all that, but that is not his true values. That's not his true views. That's just the, that's a way to lead into more government takeover of everything, I'm sure. So, um, but I just hate it when, it just drives me nuts when politicians talk about how they created jobs and then they try to sit there and, you know, destroy the businesses. And these businesses, obviously they're doing bad things. Obviously there's things that they do that getting, you know, the cor- the crony capitalism that's involved in this stuff. I hate that just as much as anyone else. I despise it actually. But don't make it harder for them to hire people because all it does is hurts the people that are the most disenfranchised, like the poor and the kids that are trying to get their first jobs. So anyway, guys, I appreciate you listening. I do. Thanks for joining me. This is a little longer than I expected, but I had a bunch of different stuff going on. So if you like that, if you like me going on longer, then just let me know and I will uh, do a little bit longer show, but I'd like to keep it right around 30 minutes. That's my goal. 20, 20 to 30 minutes is my goal every single episode. This one's going a little bit longer, so I appreciate you hanging with me. But uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you like what you hear, you'll be able to hear it tomorrow. Check out the podcast that I mentioned earlier as well. That's Eric and Gord. What if we were right? Or what if we're right? And then that's a culinary libertarian. If you put it into your pod catcher as a search, you'll be able to find those as well. They're great. And uh, then come uh, come back and listen to Ion 2020 tomorrow. And you'll have clear vision for 2020.